is, are most people in Exeter? Okay. Most of us, indeed. Uh, some people are spread out around the country still because lockdown timings and everything. Do you know a pub in Exeter where you can get very late night pizza that is square? The Firehouse, yes. Yeah. I went there recently. That was a good place. Well, when I say recently, maybe a year or two ago. <laughs> We're not <laughs> was that when you there. did a horn section live show? Here? It was, and we ended up there. And we couldn't believe it. It was the best place ever. Yeah, it's Brilliant. great. Good. I'm glad you know that place. Indeed. It's a place I've been many times. We, You may have been there the night we were there. It's possible. We could have recorded it then without any of this. We could... We we really should have done that, yeah. It would have been it would have required incredible foresight given this society didn't exist at that point. Still. Um next but time. still. We'll we'll do it next time, for sure. Hello, my name is Kit. I'm the Publicity Secretary for the Exeter University Podcast Society, and I'd like to welcome you to Podcast Society Presents Alex Horn. You may recognise Alex from his award-winning TV show Taskmaster, or his comedy music podcast, The Horn Section. We had the opportunity to interview Alex at a live Q&A event in January, and now we're able to share the audio from that event for those who couldn't be there. And without further ado, enjoy the show. So, yes, today we are talking to the wonderful Alex Horn, who is uh, Alex Horn of the Horn section. Uh, front, is front man the right word? Yeah, definitely not singer or musician. <laughs> I am, yeah, geographically a front man. The geographical front man of, of the Horn section, the creator of Taskmaster, um, the winner of set one of No More Jockeys as well. Ah, oh, thank you. Uh, you're very welcome. Uh, and so, yeah, why don't we, uh, I was going to say, why don't we kick off and then, and then stop talking as though you would know what to do there. Um, <laughs> but this is an interview and that involves me doing things as well. Um, so how, um, so you've done all these projects and everything, but where did you start with comedy? What were you into? What set you upon this comedic venture? It's a good question, Joe. Um, it was, and I'm always been slightly embarrassed to say it was Footlights at Cambridge, but I'm, I, all, all Footlights is, or was for me, is a stand-up club. It's just an open mic night that they have in every university, I think, nowadays. And I never did any acting. I never did the tour. But I just went and did... You had to do three-minute open spots in front of quite a judgmental audience of Cambridge students. And I kind of always wanted to try it once because I could make my family laugh at Christmas. And that was... that. I, I kind of... It was an itch I wanted to scratch or the other way around. So... I went to one of them and it went well enough for me to really get the bug. So it was, I guess, this time, I don't know how old everyone is here, but you're all, you're all students at Exeter University, is that right? Yeah. yeah. So I guess, yeah, I was probably 20, probably my first or second year after the gap year and all that. So, um, yeah, that's, that's what kicked it off. But it, it, the main thing about Cambridge for me was that I met like-minded people like Tim Key and Mark Watson who uh, yeah. were doing the same thing at the same time. And what was your comedy like back then compared to now? Because you've got quite a distinct style. 
I think. Well, I guess that. Thank you. I'll take that. It, it definitely <laughs> wasn't back then. It was uh, an amalgam of um, the people I was watching. So I loved Ardlo Hanlon, and so I sort of didn't mean to, but copied him basically. A uh, bit of Monty Python stuff, just whatever I was watching up till that time. You know, you're you're such a sponge, I suppose, and you. Don't really have any original thoughts for quite a while. Well, well you're, some people are lucky and find their voice straight away, but I was just a hodgepodge of the things I liked. Uh, Ross Noble yeah. I loved, so I you know, definitely tried to copy him. Harry Hill. Just, yeah, it took a long time to work out who I was, I suppose. And how long did it take until you were doing shows at Edinburgh and getting to that kind of stage where it was more of a kind of a career? Yeah, uh, I... what. In those days, the way it worked was you bought time out uh, and you there were phone numbers in the comedy section and you booked an open spot in London. So I'd go down every couple of weeks to London, for, probably from my second year at university or third year. And then I you enter competitions and I got through to the final of some competition and you think it's the most important thing in, in the world. Uh, and that got me an agent who was taking 15% of 20 quid once a month. Um, <laughs> but it meant that when I left university, I was have, I, I could earn some money from comedy. So I took my first show to Edinburgh in 2000 and something, three, so maybe five, four or five years, which, which looking back is not that long. But I had, you know, plenty of other jobs until quite a long time after that. And then, uh, so over the years, um, you had your various stand-up shows at Edinburgh. Um, but then where did um, the horn section and Taskmasters start to kind of crop up? Yeah, a long time after timeline? that. Yeah, I mean, Edinburgh is there's the place if you've got any interest in being a comedian or uh, a writer or, I mean, probably nowadays, anything within the media. It's the place to experiment. So Tim and I and Mark did a show. I mean, Tim and I did shows from the beginning together. And then Tim, me and Mark, Tim, Mark and I did a show, I don't know, 2008 or something, uh, which got picked up by BBC Four, weirdly, because it was very odd. But then I had uh, a child and didn't go to Edinburgh for one year. And that kicked everything off. If you want to really get creative, have children because you're desperate to feed them. So that the same year I had the kid, that's when we started the Horn Section and Taskmasters. Oh, all at the same time? All at the same time. Very odd. But um, yeah, I was 30, had the first child, and was really trying to work out how to make a living properly. And just got, just got quite lucky, I suppose. But it had been going for long enough to, uh, you know, have some experience, I suppose. And how did the Horn Section come together at the beginning? Well... Uh, the little trumpeter, Joe, and the little drummer, Ben, and I all went to primary school together in Sussex. So we'd known each other for many years. Well, all our years. Um, and they became jazz musicians. They went to, we, we were in Chichester Youth Orchestra together, but I did not survive. And they became jazz musicians. And I became a comedian. And we, we'd we always said we should do something together. They were always up at the fringe as well, playing in bits and bobs. There was, there's something called uh late and live and they were always in the band for that so we just thought we should do something together one year so the year after i had a kid we booked eight nights at midnight in some venue and it just worked straight away because there wasn't much live music in comedy weirdly so it we filled a gap nothing more than that 
And so how many years was it from then till you started the podcast? Uh, I would say seven. How long have podcasts existed, Joe? Since 2004. Have they? Well, I don't think I'd heard of a podcast until 2013. <laughs> um, so I think we did it because we had a few series on Radio 4 and we it was interesting on Radio 4 because we kept being told what we could and couldn't say. And they kept saying, you've got to remember people are listening to this at tea time. So there's certain things you can and can't say. And eventually, I would like to say we got sick of that, but actually they got sick of us and didn't commission a thing. <laughs> so we decided to do our own thing, which was how, you know, I don't know. Well, that's why we started the podcast, because it meant we didn't have anyone telling us what to do. Did it feel like a fairly natural transition into into podcasting then? Yeah. Yeah. And you would, I would not go back to Radio 4 unless they asked me. And then I would. But no, I, I'm not even sure I would because, yeah, it felt very natural for us because we were, I mean, I'm not sweary at all, but the band, there's a bit of grown-up stuff, I suppose, but there's tons of stuff we like doing that we couldn't do on the radio. And um, we do have an editor with the podcast, which I think is crucial for us because otherwise it would be a, even more of a sprawling mess. But yeah, it felt very natural fit and we, we love it. It feels so much more intimate with the listener. You have much more of a relationship and and I think we have far fewer listeners, you know, there's millions listen to Radio 4, but no one's actually listening. They've just got it on. So you have to tune into the, the podcast and you have to commit. What would you say is the like concept of the haunt section? If you were like having to pitch it, like mm. what? Because it, it's when you listen, it's a whole bunch of different weird songs and uh you know, interview with the special guests and everything. Think, is there an idea yeah. behind it or is it just kind of an evolution of... I think if I was pitching it, I'd make it sound better than it is. I think if I was pitching it, I'd say <laughs> it was people having the chance to listen into a band rehearsing and mucking about and having a jam, which sounds really cool, I think. Because <laughs> I've always wanted to be in a band and I'm, I'm sort of sort of am. But really what it is, is six late middle-aged men now um being childish together i think that's all it is and five of them are very talented and one of them has a good surname <laughs> so that's and he's in charge so that's yeah that's kind of what it is it took me embarrassingly long to figure out the, that that was a pun and not yeah, that just is embarrassing yeah, yeah the, the name came first before the concept <laughs> and um you you have like a such a huge variety of guests on on horn section is it a case of you going we need someone who are we able to get or is it yeah i don't it, yeah that's generous are there so, people that you try and aim for well no it's i think we need more of a variety because i think it's mainly comedians that i know and then the odd olympian weirdly <laughs> so um no i wish it was more varied what we don't have is a producer we don't have somebody making those calls and that's part yeah. of the fun of it is that it's all homemade but it would make life a lot easier. So it's really me being brave and going through contacts that I've made. But I hate phoning people yeah. up because we don't pay anyone because there's not enough money to be made at the moment because there's six of us already and uh, plus an editor, plus a technical person, plus a lot of equipment. So yeah. we are scraping. You know, it is it is something we love doing. And, and I think it's, you know, it's worth doing if we're talking, you know, if we're boringly talking about money, it's worth doing because it builds a an audience yeah but we don't and, and in podcasts generally i think you don't get paid as a guest 
but I yeah. find that so embarrassing asking people to give their time up. Um, so no, I try to pick people I'm interested in. I try to pick a variety of people, but it, there's probably far too many men the same age as me. And there's already six of us. Um, so it's, yeah, it's a bit of desperation, the booking system. You have had more accountants as a guest on the podcast mm. than I've heard on nearly any other show, I'd say. Mm. <laughs> yeah, we've had one, Mick. Uh, yeah, yeah, we've had him, we've had my wife, we've had uh, my wife's p- personal trainer. So we do sort of run out of run out of guests. Well, But they're all interesting people, I think. And I, I kind of would, l- after having Nick the accountant, I kind of wanted to have more people with normal jobs because I think it's fascinating, but the listening figures don't reflect that. Yeah, and that's a shame because it was one of my favourite episodes. Thanks, Joe. Yeah. Uh, me too. You're welcome. Me too, honestly. But, yeah, I don't know why people choose. Well, our numbers reflect that if you have Greg Davis, more people will listen. Yes. But if you have Ben Shepherd and Nick the Accountant, it's about the same amount of people listening. So it's quite an odd algorithm. Yeah. If you have James Acaster, everyone listens. That's the answer. Yes. I think that's a general trend across all of podcasting. That's probably yeah, one of the all top of ten he's golden got a, rules. Yeah. yeah, he's he's got a magnetism on. I saw media. that the on the Taskmaster YouTube channel, his his compilation video went straight to the top of yeah of all the viewing figures straight away. And I think what's brilliant about that is that he was always big in Edinburgh, but, but that big in Edinburgh is quite a backhanded compliment. Really, it's a sort of, <laughs> it's a culty world. And I think people always thought it wouldn't necessarily explode on the mainstream. But nowadays with YouTube and podcasting, the mainstream's very blurred, I think. You know, if you've got two million yeah. people watching you on YouTube, that's that's the mainstream. Yeah. And he is the best comedian, I think. How was it when you were um transitioning in the horn section into like lockdown? Because you've had the, the isolation specials two series in now. Mm. Is that do you, does it feel substantively different or does it feel once you're in it like you're back in the mix? Uh, it's not the same. There's pros and cons. So we did it firstly out of boredom and secondly out of necessity because the band have run out of money. As in, they're all musicians and all their income's dried up. They have some money because we're, you know, we're lucky enough to get some telework, but they really are all their other gigs. So one of them plays with Madness, one of them plays with Robbie Williams. They're they're all touring musicians and all that's gone. So we had to do something. Uh, the the negative is that we're not in the same room and we can't yeah. play music at the same time over Zoom. It just doesn't work. Um, and you miss a bit of the spark of yeah. just sort of mucking about. The positive is you get so much more done because you're not in the same room and you're not pissing about all the time. And... And the music's sometimes better because the way we have to record now is that they write the music down and send it around and the drummer puts his track on and then we pass it around. So actually it ends up sounding a lot more professional. And again, you miss a bit of the um, the liveness of it. But I think we'll carry on in the future after this. We'll do half like this and half in the room because yeah. we've churned out a lot of stuff in, in, in a good way. It's kept us It's kept us active and creative. How do the episodes come together? Because I, you were talking about sending the music around, but do you like have a, a script for, yeah, for anything that you say? Or yeah, there's a couple of script. So I write a script. I mean, if, if you're fine to be technical, this is pretty dull stuff. So this is what happens. 
No, um, this is great. We love this. I write a script. Everyone tries to write one thing, so either a song or a game. Uh, and they send me that, and everything goes in, and we sort of have a <laughs> mantra that something is... If it's not quite good enough for the tour, then it, it's fine for the podcast, which which is sort of not that healthy, but it's it doesn't mean it's not good enough necessarily. It just means it's not going to get an audience in a theatre laughing. And I think that theatre audience sometimes miss out on really interesting stuff because there's a pressure in the in the live world to get a laugh every 20 seconds. So more interesting stuff goes in the podcast. But anyway, we I, we, I sort of piece it together in a way that makes sense. And with the isolation ones, I then go off and interview someone, normally Tim, uh, but ideally <laughs> a different guest sometimes. Yeah. And I put some little notes in that script saying, and now back to the band. And in the band's one, I say, and now back to the guest in a way that hopefully makes sense. And then we record them both and send it all over to our editor who pieces it together. And luckily, because it's a podcast, it doesn't have to make massive sense. And I, it's really nice, I think, jumping from one thing to another. And yeah. uh, it stops it getting boring, I think. I, I I can't cope with the American podcast where it's two or three hours long. I, I can't do that. So yeah, I, I think ours is probably slightly too long for me. Uh, so what podcast do you listen to in in your own time. I listen religiously to Desert Island Discs and ah. I cannot get enough of it. It's <laughs> 35 minutes long, which I think is perfect. And it's it's so comforting. If you know the person on it, as in if you are aware of them, you know what you're going to get. But the ones that really surprise you, the, the ones when you're brave and think, I've not heard of this person, I'm not interested in their job, but you strap in anyway and you always get something out of it. I think it's I think it's a much better podcast than it is a radio show, and uh, that's that was my way into podcasts. But I don't think I'd really listened to them before that, and I'm still listening to it. And there's yeah. thousands of episodes. Are there any others that you have particular recommendations for? Uh, well, I'm trying to think of it. There's any that you? It's it's all the ones you know. So I did, <laughs> I'd heard about this. Uh, my dad wrote a porno podcast. I'd heard about this thing. Yeah. I was in Sweden and someone saying, you've got to listen to this thing. And I didn't know what it was. And I really loved the first series. And, but I am amazed how popular it is. <laughs> I think it's really good, <laughs> but it's, it's incredibly popular all around the world. I uh, think it's still topping charts at the moment, despite not having yeah. released an episode in like a year. Yeah, it's unbelievable. But it's very consistent and funny. And I, I guess, again, comforting that if that's your world, you know, you, you, you love the three guys doing it and it's just... Yeah, it's funny. Anyway, uh, I'm now listening to one. I'm trying to write a book, Joe. I'm not very good at it. So I'm listening to something called uh, The Bestseller Experiment, which is by two writers. And all it is is just giving you tiny tips about writing, like write 200 words a day, and by the end of the year, you'll have a book. So it, this is a sort of I go to YouTube to learn how to bleed a radiator and I'm going to podcast to learn how to write a book. What's the book that you're working on? If you're allowed to reveal any secret details. Um, probably not, but <laughs> I might as well. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm trying to write a book. Well, I've written half. I've written a book, but the publisher said it's not a book yet because it's only 30,000 <laughs> words. So I've got to write another 30,000 words. It's about a boy who collects stones in Sussex because that's what I used to be. <laughs> um, nice. Yeah. 
it think it doesn't really know what its audience is, Joe, because it's just a story I wanted to write. Um, so it's probably aimed at eleven year olds, but eleven year olds won't like it. <laughs> There's a book called "Where the Whale," uh, "When the Whales Came," uh, by Michael Morpurgo. I think it's that yeah. sort of world. It's quite sweet. Um, I think eleven-year-olds like to imagine that they don't read books for eleven-year-olds a lot of the time, so that might that might appeal to them. Then, yeah, yeah, it's not going to be a bestseller, but uh, but it's hopefully will exist. You never know. You never know. Keep your hopes up. <laughs> so um, obviously, you uh, are also the co-host of Taskmaster and its and its progenitor as well. Um, Great what, word. Yep. Indeed. Um, and recently in lockdown, especially, there's been a lot of response from the fans with the home tasking stuff you've been doing. Mm. It's the show, I think, uh, that more than any other, I think people have wanted to be a part of after watching it. Yeah. Um, what's How's it been seeing that response from, from all the fans? And Yeah, really nice. Everything. It wasn't meant to be... It's difficult lockdown. I don't know if you found that, but um, <laughs> it's quite hard to know how to respond to it in a sort of, uh, in terms of, you don't want to look like you're benefiting from the lockdown in any way because it's yeah it's such a weird thing. But w- the reason why we started home tasking was that some mums, specifically some mums that I know, I- I've got three kids now, and some mums got in touch and said, could you set some tasks for the kids because they really like the show and it would give us something to do. So it was meant to be just a small thing, a nice thing to do. And then, yeah, it really took off. And was brilliant, and was so exciting seeing people all all around the world do it, and it, and it did make me realise what you just said that I, I hadn't realised that people wanted to do the things. Yeah. Uh, so it was really fun, and it did feel like it was helping in some tiny way. It was helping some families and people who live by themselves and couples just do something fun and be part of a community. So it was great, and then, but it was also incredibly time consuming, <laughs> yeah. and. Uh, so there's a whole team of people in the end had to watch the stuff and edit it. And I was trying to watch everything, but couldn't um, physically. Um, I noticed the time constraints on the tweets were getting slightly shorter each time. Yeah, we were trying to manage it. We were trying to, again, you'd, it's really difficult. You're trying to want to just do this thing and make it really free and joyful and nice. But then you get tons of people getting in touch saying, I should have made the montage and being quite cross about it. Oh. <laughs> uh, not tons, maybe three but it felt they're the ones you notice so uh uh yeah it was just trying to work out how to do it and keep everyone happy so this time and we always said if the schools are shut we'll do it so we're doing it again this time but we've decided to just do tasks that have been in the show to see if people well just as an experiment really to see how people would do it if they were on the show and it's been quite fun i think people have taken that challenge uh to heart, I think it, it makes them even more feel like they're they're on the show. They want to beat the the competitors. Yeah, on the, and some of them are the incredible because I don't think actually Taskmaster is based on the. It's not based on the genius of the comedians, really. That occasionally, yeah. once every other episode, someone does something clever. So that's a lot of <laughs> stupid things happening, and that's yeah, that's the fun of it. Whereas the home tasking ones, there's some really clever people out there, really funny people. And you've also spawned stuff like the the board game and the the book as well that have 
led to so many other attempts uh, as well. And I thought I should mention this um, last year and, and this year as well, the Hide and Seek Society. At oh, I Exeter. know about you guys because you were in the pub yeah. when I was there. Yeah. I yes. Did, did I meet some of you? Yeah, you met me and uh, Jordan, who's wearing the yellow hat. Oh, God, I'd forgotten about the Hide and Seek Society. Sorry. Is this how we... Did you did you mention it when you got in touch again, Joe? I think I may have done, yeah. Oh, we loved you guys. That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, so we were we ran a a big Taskmaster event uh twice last year and there's one going on uh there was one last time and there'll be another one this time as well. Uh Jordan who's here in the yellow hat. Hello, he Jordan. won the, he won the golden hat as his prize. Oh, for brilliant. I was going to comment on the golden hat. It's amazing. And what was at what point did you think you'll go over rather than under the headphones? <laughs> Was it always going to be? I usually wear over, yeah. Yeah, no, fair enough. Yeah, yeah, no, that's uh, that's quite that's your prerogative if, as the winner of the golden hat. It was a definite highlight of of everyone's um, thing because you record. I recorded you giving yes. them all a task at one point, which was that was a definite highlight, uh, and also it was very good timing because that came after I think the most controversial task of the whole lot, just because it was big and complicated, right? Um, and so it kind of save the momentum of that of that one. I remember you guys being yeah, more ambitious than we are really with the show. Um but yeah, when hearing about people like you and various schools and scout groups and uh hen nights and families just sort of taking it and running with it is so brilliant and uh yeah, I love it. At first people got very worried and said are you going to sue us? I we had loads of messages saying from university society saying can we use the yeah. name and we never once thought that it would be bad for people to do it. Yeah, you know it's great. It's it's just a really nice thing. And there's now even the Taskmaster podcast as well that Ed Gamble's doing. Yeah, and that's and that's been great because I've been rewatching the show and uh, and and listening along each week as that's been coming out. Yeah, um, I think he does a very good job, and uh, luckily he does he's he does really care about the show. He's not doing it. Yeah. To you know, make money or um, <laughs> he doesn't need yeah. to do it. Basically, he's doing it because he loves it. Um, it was a bit of a weird one because there are podcasts that exist. There's something called Melon Buffet Podcast, which is uh, just some fans of the show did, has been doing a podcast for quite a while, and we didn't want to step on their toes because that was a nice thing. And there's one in America called the Task Mistress, which is a guy called Hank. Yeah, Hank Green. Green, who is a remarkable bloke you've probably heard of. Yeah. So we didn't want to sort of look like we were saying, no, this is the official one. But that is sort of what we're doing. But it is nice to set the record straight about some things and and get most of the old contestants back on. So I think our yeah. general rule with Taskmaster is to try, any time we do something official, to try to make it good, which seems like quite a common sense thing to do. <laughs> but you can churn board games out and books out. Um, and we try not to do that. We try to really put some thought into everything. And I think that I think that's a good idea. You do the the bonus fact finder segments on each of the episodes. Is it hard to come up with the the extra facts each time? Do you have to sometimes go looking through old notes for quite it, a while? It's, it's weirdly not. Does it hard. come to mind? Yeah, it's only been six years, which is odd. So it's not that long. But um, when they said they were starting from the beginning, um, I did think that's a lot of that's a hundred episodes. So it's more. They phone me up with about an hour to go and say you need to record something, and I'm. You know, sometimes it's not the right, ideal time. So, but I'd happily do it. I think I'm only doing every other one or something. But uh, no, I could. There's 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 lots of facts out there. 
Indeed. I'm going to enjoy it. Yeah. Um, there are, I think we've got some questions that people have sent in ahead of time Okay. Uh, that we are going to go to. And if I'm going to say who the question is from, and then if anyone has sent in that question, you can unmute and then ask yourself. And otherwise, I'll just read it out. By the um, way, I think, I yeah. don't know about you guys, but I always feel like I have quite a severe listening face. And especially on Zoom, when you're not making eye contact with anyone because you're looking just <laughs> below it. So apologies if I look cross at any, uh, any time. Not at all. I'm having a, no- a very nice time. I'm oh, holding a teddy bear what because a one of my kids has just gone to bed. But it's oh, quite comforting. Nice. Does the teddy bear have a name? I don't think so. Oh. <laughs> I don't know how I'd find out. No, well, I'm pretty sure. I don't think any we'll of them should they. I don't think any of them have ever named their bears. Because I, I know that my, I think my brother and sister took to naming my, my bears for me before I, uh, before I could name them. Right. Kind of getting in there early. That anyway. is weird. I mean, it's now the dog's bear. That's why it's here. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. What's the dog called? Dog is called Lockie. She's always here. She's there. Oh, yeah. adorable. I mean, she could be dead. <laughs> All right. Dead. So um, the first question was uh, sent in by Kit, who I know who I know is here. Hello, Kit. You want to un- unmute. The publicity then. secretary. Yes. You know I'm here because I've been here since half past eight. <laughs> <laughs> I do indeed. Take it away. Um, yeah. You said about the, the guest you've had on Horn Section. Um, I think... Mean, I listened to the one with Hank Green and as someone who kind of has been a fan of him through YouTube for a while, it was very weird seeing the spears kind of collide. Mm. Um, were there any guests that you were particularly excited to collaborate with or anyone that you never thought you'd be able to work with, but like through the podcast, were able to kind of reach yeah. out to them? Well, Hank was really weird. So he, I, he, I think somebody sent me a tweet that he'd sent about Taskmaster and I hadn't heard of him, but someone in the band had, Mark, the saxophonist, and he said, you should send him a tweet and ask him to be on it. And he straight away said yes. And it is definitely the joy of both Twitter and podcasts and YouTube, I suppose, that you can instantly have contact with people. I mean, yeah. it helps. I don't know. I don't think he followed me or anything, so I don't know quite how I got a message to him. But that it, there was enough. It built a bit of a head of steam that somebody else said, oh, you should do this, Hank. So that was brilliant. But I... Uh, I don't know how well it went. I, I got the feeling he was slightly bored by it. But anyway, but I really liked him. I think I liked him a lot more than he liked me in the end. Anyway, <laughs> um, and then also we had Robbie Williams during lockdown. And I'm not a massive yeah. Robbie Williams fan or not. I, I don't really mind either way. But I was definitely starstruck by that just because suddenly it is Robbie Williams. And um, that was weird. So I suppose those two, you do find it... Everyone is pretty normal. So we had Sir Chris Hoy on, who I was quite excited about. But as soon as he walked in the room, he's just a very nice, ordinary man. And again, with podcasts, because it's not in front of an audience, it breaks down so many barriers and it's all very relaxed. And and uh, it's, it's it's normally a very pleasant experience. Or 100% actually is a pleasant experience. So I'd say Hank and Robbie, and it was because of lockdown it happened, were, were the um, sort of the most exciting ones. Yeah. Um, the next question uh, is from Alice Knightbridge, if Alice is here. Uh, if you are, feel free to unmute. Otherwise, I will uh, read out this question. Alice wants to know what your favourite task has been from 
from the show? It's a good question. I, 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 I have been asked this before, and um, I can never quite remember what my answer is. <laughs> so I guess the answer is what most people say in this sort of situation is it's like your favourite song. It does change quite often. Um, and it's norm. I Genuinely, it would be one that we've just filmed because uh, it would either be one we've just filmed or one from series one when it, when everything was uh, to play for and we didn't know if it was going to work. So I'd say either something like um, push it. There's one in series one where they, they opened the garage door and there was a boulder in it and it was get this boulder away from here. Uh, as far away from here as possible in an hour and so it's not a very clever task but there was a moment in that when frank got it on a train and um all the show is genuine so we hadn't got permission to film on the train and you're not allowed to film if you don't have permission so it was just me and frank no camera people on a train with a boulder there's there's no point doing it because there's no one filming it and um (laughs) and frank's very famous so a lot of people were asking him why he was on the train with a boulder and a man in a suit. No one had heard of the show. No one had heard of me. So it was just a really fun, it was just sort of, we were just on a train with a boulder. And I just really fondly remember that. And and actually we don't do that sort of task anymore because that took us such a long time because we were on the train for an hour. Then we had to get the boulder back. And none of this was being filmed. So we wasted half a day. Whereas now <laughs> most of the tasks you'll notice tend to be about 10 or 20 minutes because you don't need five hours worth of footage for each task. But um, I'm trying to think of one we're doing at the moment, but I probably can't tell you. But uh, I, you know what? I really like the art ones where you end up with five pictures and there's one coming yeah. up in series, not the next series, but the next series, series 12, Ooh. involving some cutout where there's a task where you have to cut out bits of the canvas and put bits of your body through. And someone does something and puts gets me to put a bit of my body through and it is the most embarrassing thing that's ever happened in the show. And it is only my head that goes through the thing. So that's all right. We'll be out in October. Oh, nice. Very exciting. Um, there is a, a question from uh, Benjamin Shaw. Yeah, I had uh, a few questions that I um, put through. Um, I guess my the one that's most burning for me now, now that I'm thinking about it, is. Um, uh, for no more jockeys, do you have any plans or wishes for to have special guests on? Or ah, it's a good question. As a more insular trio. Well, so that really was something we just were doing anyway, and because it's lockdown, we thought we might as well. I mean, we didn't know we hadn't heard of Zoom this time last year, let alone the fact that it had a recording function that means you don't. It's just so easy. It's just there, and. Um, so we so we were doing it. So we pressed record, and then we looked at it and thought, "Oh, it's quite it's vaguely entertaining." So we sent it to our friend Hyman, who cut it down and put some music on it, and it seemed to work. So we we just like doing it every week, and then it's got some sort of momentum. So people have said, "Do you want to, what do you want to do with it?" And we don't really want to do anything with it. So I think we're just going to carry, carry on doing it. <laughs> and we talked about having guests, uh, but. The main reason we don't want to do that is because I think it works best with three people and none of the three of us want to not be in it. And we're really, really worried that if you had someone on it, like James Acaster, he'll be better than us. And, <laughs> and that would be a shame. So I think, and also there's a, then a lot of politics about who you have on it. Again, and this is a bit of a theme of my life, it's three white men on it at the moment. 
which isn't ideal. But because we're old mates, like with a band, it's not a sort of conscious decision. <laughs> um, yeah. But we, if we had guests, we would obviously want it to be much more diverse and reflective. So, but we don't want to get into a situation where we have agents asking if their people can be on it. So it's just simpler if it's three friends. But we may well do it as a podcast because it's quite an effort to sit down and watch half an hour of YouTube. Um, whereas podcasts, you can be walking or driving or cooking. So, and those are the three things we want our audience to do more. <laughs> so that but that may well be the only change. Except we, we'd love to do it live when we're all out of this because I think that would be quite fun. Uh, but I think it will just be the three of us forever. Although... Mark consistently says he's going to die probably early 60s. So at that point, we might get someone. Brilliant. He's yeah, if we've got lungs. more time at the end, we will come back to more of your questions, Benjamin. Okay. Um, so uh, there's a question from William Fothergill. Here I he is. I remember what I put down. So you you asked Joe. You asked Will whether the success of the home tasking made Alex more or less impressed with the show's actual contestants. Yeah. It's very it's a different way of thinking, I think. Uh, definitely no more impressed by the comedians. <laughs> but what the comedians do have to do is think on the spot with the cameras rolling. And like I said, it is all genuine. So when they aren't, when they open it, if it says you've got 20 minutes, they have 20 minutes. And and so occasionally when they do come up with something really good, it is impressive. Uh, but probably what's more impressive is just their lack of embarrassment and um, lack of shame, which are the key things to be a comedian, probably. So, yes, that's my answer. Thank you, Will. Um, this next question was from uh, Ranchel, Rachel, who is, uh, who is, filling uh one of the two people filling the alex horn role in the home seek taskmaster this uh-huh. year taking over from me um, good work rachel rachel thank you <laughs> um yes i wanted to ask um if you had to be on the show taskmaster yourself and do one of the tasks which task would you choose what would you do and also a little caveat who would you choose to be your alex horn in the situation oh, excellent question uh, uh, so i the ones that i dread are the ones or would dread are the sort of blank piece of paper ones where you've got to come up with something amazing in an hour uh, or impress the mayor of Chesham that sort of thing All right, so I would always go for a, one of the practical ones like I mean I know the task because I've made them up so <laughs> there's one where they had to get a tennis ball a table tennis ball out of a tube but there were holes in the back of the tube that Mark Watson and Bob Mortimer and that lot did so I'd like to do ones like that because I know, <laughs> because I know how to do them um uh but very rare oh yeah i think i like the engineering ones i would be an awful contestant i think um i'd be very competitive uh i mean probably like most people there's one task that actually more people get in touch with than any other the one that people want to do which i imagine you all know what i'm talking about it's the railway bridges task uh, yes. where they had to sneak up on me. And I'd like to do that one, probably. That's the one. Because it was really fun for me to do. But I was out of control. I don't really like the ones where I'm out of control and I don't know where the people are. Um, but that was really fun. But there's a new game in this coming series, Series 12, um, called Alex Ball, which is even better than that game. So that's something to look out for. Where I'm sort <laughs> Looking of playing forward the, yeah, to Yeah, I'm sort of in charge. Of, I'm playing the game. 
Uh, what was the caveat? Who would be my assistant? Um, who would be not my assistant? Greg's assistant. Is Greg you? still Greg? In this yes, scenario? Greg is still Greg. Fine. Uh, well, Rose Matafeo, probably. I think she would easily fill oh. that role. She'd be great. She, nice. She's great. Um, and her new film is out this week, and apparently it's brilliant. Uh, so George asked who I know for a fact isn't here. Um, uh, George asked, how much of the creation of the series was based on your jealousy of Tim Key winning the Perrier Award in 2009? Yeah, I have said and that And are a few you times. proud of that? Um, it's, it's not... It was definitely the spark, uh, but no more than that, really. You know, it wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't. It was an instant feeling of depression and jealousy when I found out he won. But I did, you know, get over it fairly quickly. But it it, it was a spark of thinking. Right, I've got to do something now. So I don't think I don't think it's a bad place for things to come out of. Um, it's good to have healthy competition, I suppose. So, yeah, yeah, interesting. If he hadn't won it, whether it would have existed. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It's also just quite a good story. Yeah. Uh, there's an anonymous question um, asking about the history of the Taskmaster house, where mm. you got it, and whether it was difficult to convince a channel to buy a house for a whole series or yeah. how that all came together. That's a good practical question. So it we got it on... Foxton's, we rent it and we still rent it and we should have bought it six years ago, but now they won't sell it. Um, so we we spend loads of money on that house. Uh, we chose it because the director lives about four minutes from it. So that, and he's there more than anyone. So it's ideal for that point of view. And it was just a quirky, we looked at a few different places and it was so characterful and quirky and then fairly practical because there's a bit of space and it's in London, uh, but not in, in London. Um, so yeah, it was just an odd find and we don't know, we don't know the history of it. It used to be a greenkeeper's cottage, but we don't know, we don't know when it was built. Uh, but people have brought up families in it. We, we think, uh, I think that's it really. That's yeah. It was just a bit lovely, but we wish we'd bought, it was for sale when we were first renting it, but it's not anymore. Um, there's another question from Amy. Hi, um, I have a statement and a question, if that's okay, Joe. Um, my statement is, can you tell the podcast Doggo Love Her? And that I think her silence on the podcast is really good. And it's just a really, it's a break. It's like listening to the dog, my favourite part, possibly. <laughs> no offence. Um, you're talking about Jugsy, the horn section podcast dog? Yeah. I will pass it on to Jugsy. Okay. Um, and my question is, what was my question? Oh, um, have you had any guests on that you were like surprised by their musical talent? Catherine Ryan is so talented. Um, there was a bit of time when she was getting booked for everything and I didn't know her and I didn't quite know why she was getting booked for everything, but now I do. She is, she's really talented. She can play the piano. She was very embarrassed. We, we recorded that one and she, she's quite a perfectionist. So she's much um she wanted it to be perfect really that's what that word means but um she's brilliant <laughs> and she can rap and twerk and do anything uh so she's i didn't know she was musical um roisin is not um <laughs> uh, um 
Sarah Pascoe is also incredibly talented. She's a brilliant singer, but her dad is a jazz musician, a saxophonist, so that didn't surprise me, but he, she's brilliant. Uh, so probably those two. But then when we had music, Jess, Jesse Ware we had on, who I didn't really know, and I'm always blown away when you actually have a musician in the same room as you, and you go, oh my God. I thought her singing was amazing. We, we made her just do stuff off, off the cuff, and she was, she, she was brilliant. So now I'm a big fan of her. Uh, yeah, so those are my answers, Amy. And I enjoyed Indeed. your statement. And I think every <laughs> question should be preceded by a statement from now on, please. Oh, no. Oh, now I'm going to have to or, come or up not. with some statements. Um, uh, I like cheese is my statement. Mm. And then uh, do you have uh, any hint as to when Horn Section podcast might be returning? Well, I can read out a text I got from the Desperate Musician saying, can we do it next week? Um, it will be in the next... That would, that would be fun. Well, the trouble is Joel, our little editor, had a baby last week, his first baby. So he's slightly out of action. So I think it'll be another couple of weeks. But yeah, hopefully before the end of February. I think we're going to record something in the next couple of weeks. So soon. soon. Brilliant. Now, we really like doing it. It's it's annoyingly more time-consuming for me than them. Yeah. Um, but it's all fun. Uh, it's just finding time. Are there any people that you are particularly looking forward to having on or you'd really like to have on? Or Yeah, well, there was somebody sent a good tweet round and suggested some people, and uh, Rachel Paris and Jessica Knappett both said they wanted to do it. So that's two people straight away uh, who were both brilliant. So I think we'll start with them. Brilliant. But I don't know, who, would you, who, who should I contact, Joe? Oh, that's that's a tough one. Uh, my mind is going all sorts of I mean, rogue just different a, places. It can just be an ordinary profession, and I'll um, a vet. Oh, a vet might be good. Mm. How about a zookeeper? Yeah. Okay. F- from London Zoo. I'd love I'd love Packham or Michaela Strachan. They're that, two of my heroes. That would be great. Chris Packham's Desert Island Discs is my favourite ever episode. If you could somehow get one of the the Muppets or the CBBC puppets on, and then they yep. don't even t- need to worry about doing the, the I'm going to write all this down somewhere. <laughs> Puppet or Packham. That's what I'm going to get. Brilliant. Um, I think we've got some time. If, ben, if you want to ask one of your other questions, feel yep, free. Sure. Um, I guess my opening statement will be, um, I'm not sure how many people in the call have or do watch uh, No More Jockeys, but my question for it would be, um, can you shed any light on the, what started Key's obsession with Penelope Pitstop? Uh, no. <laughs> I can't. It, it, it's more that it surprises all of us when we keep saying the same names. We, we, I say Enya most weeks, and I'm not a massive fan of Enya. I don't know anything about it, and I think the same with him. He's just it's his go-to person. It's Penelope Pitstop now, but it's an odd game because we do we do it on Thursday nights. I do it when my wife and kids are asleep. Tim lives alone. Mark does it when his sort of family situation. I've, I've gone to bed, so we're all quite drunk. Basically, is the answer. Um, and so your mind goes to places that we yeah we're just we're not really thinking about it, Ben. So. So we're not proud of it, 
uh, always. There's a game that's coming out in a couple of weeks' time when I really lost, not quite lost my temper, but got really stubborn about something and was so embarrassed watching it back and would much rather it didn't go out. But that's sort of part of it, really. So, yeah. no, I don't know. It's just the workings of his brain. Yeah. Uh, there was a question from uh, Joe, uh, the vice president. Uh, yes, hello. I am here. Hello, Joe. Hello, Joe. Hiya. Um, slightly facetious question. However, um, <laughs> I'm it was brought up in our like committee group chat how excellent yours and Greg's sock choices are on Taskmaster. Mm. Um, so just wondered if you had any any shopping tips or any particular favourites because sock game is is on point. Well, I would take that as, as a compliment, but it's not down to me at all. We specifically have... So there's always in telly there's a costume person, but Greg and I have the same costume every week. And I wear... My suit is a Marks and Spencers or Top Man or something because I get through so many of them filming because people get me to do, you know, sit on cakes and stuff. So um, so the costume person said, can I do something? Can I get you different socks each week? So I don't know where he gets them from, but they are brilliant. I always like the ones with food on. Uh, I'm not wearing socks at the moment, but yeah, I've got so I, I've many got socks. Some, I've got some cats, I think, on here. Yeah, they're pretty and good. Some, and some hearts on the other one. But I think, like, I'm sure, like, 10 years ago, you couldn't get as many varieties of socks. But I've literally, I think it's pretty much a different pair for every episode. So that's 100, 100 pairs of socks. And I haven't thrown any of them, any of them away. Um, but I do occasionally, <laughs> when I do a horn section gig, people do ask me for them afterwards. And I tend to hand them over. Because it's, oh. you know, they're quite a weird person to ask that. And I don't want to cause trouble. So I tend to, <laughs> I did, I swapped some at the beginning. So I went home in socks. But then that's odd as well so yeah if you want any that's the way to get them all right so ambush you after a gig yeah got it that's always good protocol Mm -hmm. Uh, i believe there's a question from maddie yeah hi hello maddie Um, hello um i'm really excited that you're here i'm a really big fan um my question is um throughout like your work you work with your friends um in like Taskmaster and um, horn section and everything. Um, I just want to know how important your friends' reactions and like their talents are to your comedy and um, how much you tailor your work, how important it is to tailor your work to your audience as opposed to like what you and your friends find funny. Yeah, that's, I'm very excited to be here too. Um, That's my statement, but it's a difficult one that I think one thing, this is going to be quite a sprawling answer, but one thing, I think the main reason why I got vaguely creative when I started having kids is that I stopped caring what the audience thought so much because uh, if there's a child, you know, at home, that's far more important than how a gig goes. And it was really freeing, and I sort of uh, definitely became a better comedian at that point, I think, where I just really didn't care if they laughed or not. And uh, with the horn section, I'm definitely only trying to make those guys laugh and hope that that rubs off on everyone else um i mean i do care if the audience laugh but i don't i'm not sort of uh paralyzed by that fear anymore uh and i'd also say and i've said this quite a lot and it's it's not meant to sound um falsely humble but one of the keys i think is to hang around with people more talented than yourself 
because it's brilliant. <laughs> so definitely with Taskmaster, I'm, I'm, I do come up with the tasks, but Greg is such a good comedian that having him host the show, I think he makes it look very easy, but he everything he says is funny. And it's a really tough job, his job. And same with the band. The band are insanely musical. And Tim and Mark, I think, are the two of the most creative comedians. So just hanging around with uh, uber-talented well, getting lucky really and befriending people who who you find funny uh helps a lot uh yeah that's sort of the end of that answer but when i do find i do find it tricky when so when we had bob mortimer on the show i was such a big fan of bob's that i could never quite relax in his company even though he's so nice and relaxing but i always wanted him to like me so that was quite difficult because i was always trying to impress him so it's yeah that's why it's good to work with friends rather than heroes i suppose <laughs> uh there is uh another an anonymous question um that was asked which is would there ever be a champion of champion of champions if we got that far into taskmaster yeah it has been asked before so it's 25 series we need we've got 15 as in we've got we've been booked up till 15 I think after that we have a few problems because Channel 4 might not want it anymore, as in <laughs> hopefully they will, but um, that's some way off. Greg will be very old <laughs> <laughs> and he's already in the vulnerable group for COVID. Um, he'll be fine, obviously. He's not. He's in no danger. But um, we both may want to do other things at some point. But uh, we also may run out of comedians at some point, but I don't think we will. There's plenty out there. Um, Scroobius Pip did a thing yesterday where he, he's got people to, su to suggest their dream lineups. And uh, there's plenty of people on that that I haven't thought of. So I think we could potentially... Uh, who knows? I think at some point we'll have to have a little break, but it would be fun. One thing Bob Mortimer did say when he was doing the show was that he really regrets stopping doing some of his series when they were, when they were doing really well because he always wanted to do something different for a bit. And his advice was, if something's working, just keep doing it because you never know, you know, if we stop doing Taskmaster, I might never uh, work again. So I probably, it probably, if Channel 4 will have us, we will carry on, I imagine. Yeah. Is there anyone that was pointed out in that lineup, in those lineups that Scroobius Pip asked for in particular that you thought you particularly want to get them on? Well, there's always the same names like Stephen Merchant, uh, who we ask often and he's never free. But there's people, it's good to see what newer comedians people are talking about. People like Maisie Adams. But also, like Connie Huck stood out. Uh, I don't know if you know Connie Huck. Used to present Blue Peter when I was, I think I'm the same age as her actually, but is also Charlie Brooker's wife. And uh, was really good in the um, lockdown screen antiviral wipe. And I think she would be really good. So she's someone I hadn't thought of before. But I need to go back over all the tweets. But yeah. I think she might be good. Brilliant. Um, I'm just checking because see which other questions there were. Um, I think there's a, another one from Ben if you want to slot that last one in there. I've actually forgotten what that one was. I submitted that um, the other day and forgot oh, to so read it out. Let's see. Uh, ben also asked... Oh, you asked about the task prizes. Yes. Um, my question for that, for that was... Um, do the task, do the prizes from the prize task always go home with 
the winner of the show? And if so, um, what is the most significant prize that's gone back? Yeah, well, the, there's, it's quite interesting. So legally, because it's a game show, the winner of the show does legally own the things. And the precedent was set in the first series when Ramesh put up his wedding ring in his car. Uh, but he didn't want, he did want his wedding ring, but he didn't want his car. So the winner of that got something they didn't want. And I don't know what happened to it, but I do know a lot of these things do go to the winner because it's just a nice story to have on your mantelpiece someone else's thing. When we're, and they do tend to all be friends. So if you wanted it back, you could get it back. I think he got his ring back, but I think it took some time. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the answer is they don't always go back with a person. Uh, but they are always losable. So there is jeopardy there. Um, things like Johnny Vegas put up his pub collection of pub signs in the last series, and he did, didn't want to lose them. But I think the winner wanted to keep them. So an arrangement was met at some point. Yeah. We did. We don't. You know, I I quite often say we really want it to be a genuine show, so we we quite often tell people you're not allowed to bring in animals or friends because you can't win that. Uh, we have occasionally had them, but um, we want it to be both believable but also true. Do you know what happened to Greg the Mouse from from Someone season one? Someone asked me that the other day. I had not a clue. Um, <laughs> I think that may have been a slight exception to the rule where. I think because there's lots of rules about animals, quite rightly, that was with an animal handler and went back home with the animal handler. Ah, that um, would make sense. That was Roisin knowing Greg very well, knowing that he would love a mouse. But I think we're not allowed to give someone a mouse like that on telly <laughs> to a man so much bigger than a mouse. On the on the podcast last week, Ed seemed to suggest it had been flushed down the toilet, I think. But mm. I'm glad to know that that hasn't happened. At least in theory. I imagine the mouse is running free in a field somewhere. Oh, adorable. <laughs> um, I think that's all, all the all the questions that we've been uh we've been sent in. Uh so um I think that's that's about all <laughs> they were good uh, questions all we wanted to, to I, ask. Yeah. I do yeah. I yeah, I think probably I hadn't realised till reasonably recently how interested people are in the workings of the show. Um, but lots of those questions hadn't been asked before, and um, even the ones I had, they're the good ones. So thank you for your questions. I edited my notes for this to take out, because you mentioned on the Taskmaster podcast that you have already, about once a week, had to say how all of Taskmaster evolved. So yeah. th- I'm just, I decided that instead I'm just going to say now to go listen to the Taskmaster podcast if you want to hear. Thanks, Joe. I appreciate that very much. You're going to have a, a boost in listenership of at least a dozen. Yeah. Now. <laughs> It'll make all the difference. Exactly. Um, but yeah, it, thank you for... Would, is there anyone so that you would want on the on the show? Because I am really interested. Oh. So the normal um, people that get suggested are Adam Buxton. Um, Scroobius hasn't been suggested. Well, he suggested himself. And I, having listened to him on the podcast, I think he would be great. But yeah, mm-hmm. any any suggestions are very welcome. You can put them in chat, anyone, if you would like to to put them there. David Mitchell, we yeah, he definitely is on a list, and we would have him in a heartbeat. But he tends people like him tend to be very busy. Yeah, Rosie and Chris Ramsey. I think we'll never have a couple because I think we're worried it would um, take away from the other three people on the panel. 
because uh, Ellis and Izzy have been suggested a lot. Uh, Matthew Bainton's a good shout. Would So Jimmy Carr, someone's putting... My worry is with Jimmy that... Well, with a show of hands, how many people would want Jimmy Carr to be on it? Yeah, that's probably my worry. But he is a lovely lovely man in real life. Really is. And he's odd, obviously. But I would hope we'd get to show a different side of him. But my worry is we wouldn't. Yes. <laughs> and he would make it the Jimmy Carr show. But um, we're tempted because if we can show a different side to him, that'd be great. And he wouldn't be in charge because Greg would be in charge. So we're tempted. John Robbins would be brilliant. Hannah Gadsby would be great. These are good suggestions. I know that there's um, there's some Americans that um, who have uh, a podcast that I know are particular Taskmaster fans that would be great. That who are they're known collectively as the McElroy brothers, and they Travis are Travis McElroy. Someone's put yeah, Travis McElroy, and then his brothers Justin and Griffin are also are also fans. And I, I imagine you couldn't get a trio all at once. You're probably not. Um, these are good. Sean, I'd love to do it. I did ask Sean, mm. but he said he couldn't be bothered. <laughs> <laughs> Which is fair enough. And the same with people like Mickey Flanagan. Um, it is quite a lot of effort, Taskmaster. Yeah. Uh, it, we Like Lee Max doing this current series, only, not only, but mainly because his kids his kids are big fans, so they wanted him to do it. Uh, Ivor Graham would be great. These are really good suggestions. Joe, could you do me a favour afterwards and I'd send me that? Li- is there any way of saving the chat? Yeah. Um, I don't know how that works. Uh, uh, Kit or or Joe or Lucy, could you take those down and then this is the this is the useful thing. This is the useful thing about having a committee yeah. is that I can get them. Can to... you take that down for me? This is great. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Milton would be good, but Milton it'd be interesting because he wouldn't be able to do. He wouldn't be able to be the character of Milton. He'd have to. Yeah. But we had that worry with Tim Vine and even Joe uh, Wilkinson as well. Yeah, these are all good. I'd say the trouble is. There's there's very few people there who we haven't thought of, but Abby Lark I've not heard of, Travis McElroy I haven't heard of. So those uh, Matthew uh, Bainton, Sarah Keyworth would be good. Yep, she'd be good. Um yeah. interesting how yeah, how you know about Ivo. He's sort of crept up. He's brilliant, he would definitely be good. Um We would I mean what's interesting there is that there is no or very little diversity and that's our problem you know we in the forthcoming series we finally have two people that aren't white and it's taken us such a long time which is our fault but there are obviously fewer comedians and so if you we're we're trying to be better at promoting it's our job i think to promote yeah uh more diversity so if there's people you know delisa chaponda is great yeah so is it the guy who was on Britain's Got Talent? Uh, I, I don't. He was on QI a few times this series. I think um, it, yeah, he's he's really brilliant. Yep. Um, well, add him to the list. But yeah, it's it's really interesting now because the trouble is, people like Ivo and Milton, and John Robbins, and Adam Buxton, and Jimmy Carr, and Matthew Bainton are all very good, but they're all very white and male. If anyone else thinks of anything else, then. We'll forward it on. Yeah, generally, we always try to have someone on there that you haven't heard of that we're trying to uh, give a boost to, someone you have heard of, and then three that you may or may not have. That's sort of the only... We try not to make it predictable. That we, we Oh, to be Natasha Dimitriou as well. Yes, she would be great. Desiree would be great. There's always a chance that some of these are going to be on it, which is exciting. Pippa's Ooh. great. 
Will Sharp. Now I know Will Sharp. Who's Will Sharp? He does like flowers. That's right. Is he quite? Has he got a boyish face? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> yep. Yep. These are all good. Oh, Beck Hill as well. Yeah, she would be good. Her videos are amazing, aren't they? Oh, that's Will Sharp. That's not. I wasn't thinking of him. Yeah, he'd be good. I think he was. At, he was at Cambridge. All these Cambridge types. <laughs> um, yeah, if you could send me that list, that would be great. Yeah, if that's all right, we'll get those all all sent this on. This is that's how brilliant. we cast it. We get, we do podcast events. Well, we're. All, I'm always happy to crowdsource more suggestions from from the community. Yeah, honestly, it's good because Channel Four weigh in and they know some things, but they they also uh, don't know everything. Are there any more like celebrities that you'd want on for a special, like the New Year special? I don't know really. I mean, how do you think that went? Well, it was really fun. It got the more viewers than we've ever had before, so it's really good from that point of view to get new people to watch it. Uh, I wouldn't like. I really, really enjoyed it. Rylan is really funny, and he could definitely do a whole series, and so could Nicola. I'm not sure. I'd want to see Shirley every week, but she's very good value for a for a one off. You know, they're all great. Yes. They're all they were all lovely and really fun, and it was interesting. We'd like to do that once a year because it it does mean you can have interest people. Oh, Louis Theroux, we would love to have for a whole series, by the way. Um, oh um, yeah. But yeah, someone like Louis, I would have in the same way as we had Richard Osman. Um, I think there is room for funny people to be in the main series, but you also don't want to then miss out on stand-ups who you don't want to upset people who think they're not getting the nod. There's a bit of a bad thing in telly at the moment, like on the um, Big Fat Quiz of the Year, where they had, I don't know what it was, six male comedians and then two female non-comedians. So that's not a great reflection of the comedy world. Um, but I think Louis would be a great booking. So, yes. But I'd love, you know. Yes. Yeah. Brilliant. If one-offs you'd have anyone. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Richard Iowadi, we have asked for every series. <laughs> one day. One day, indeed. Well, um, thank you so much for coming and talking to us, Alex. This has been absolutely fantastic. Pleasure. It's very nice to see you again. I'm sorry I've forgotten about the uh, Hide and Seek Society, but is, is it still up? It's still well, it's still not up moment, and running. It? Yeah, it must be a bit easier uh, at the moment, is it? To hide? It, it's doing um, like online socials and playing different games and that kind of thing. And the Taskmaster stuff is still going on uh, because people can go and do tasks in their own homes. Or uh, the way that uh, we set it up is um, a bit like your. From inspired from your original Edinburgh show of people being emailed out tasks and then sending it in ahead of time and then yeah. it being presented to everyone. It does um, work really well. And that well still works quite well. Yeah. Well, that's good to hear. Do stay in touch every day. I absolutely will, if you would like. <laughs> yes. Yes. I'm committing to it. All right, we'll do it. We're in. Right, well, <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming and talking to us, Alex. This was absolutely fantastic. No pleasure. Um, and thank you, everyone else, for coming and listening. Um, is there anything that you would like to plug, Alex? No. Brilliant. 
then we can we can finish off neatly then. Um, in that case, thank you very much for coming, everyone. Uh, hope to see you all again sometime soon. Thank you Bye. very much, Alex. Bye. 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 If you'd like to listen to the audio from our other Q&A featuring Dan Schreiber and Andrew Hunter-Murray from No Such Things as Fish or any of our other shows, make sure to subscribe to this feed and follow us on social media at Extra Podcast on Twitter or Facebook.com forward slash Extra Podcast. We've got some really exciting content coming up soon from our members, including an actual play one shot and audio dramas written by our members. This podcast was supported by the University of Exeter Alumni Fund.